0: Greetings, Bridge Church. I uh, Have to confess that uh, this is all new for us doing church online like this, but we're also excited about it, and we're so glad that you can join us this morning or um, for worship. Uh, I want to talk to the kids first. Uh, if there are children watching with their parents and they're wondering if this service is for them, uh, the answer is absolutely yes. We love that you're part of the service. If you're watching with your families or if you get a chance to watch. And I, and I have a, a, uh, um, a craft for you to do, kids. If you have a chance, if you can go and get some crayons and some paper uh, or some, something to draw with, some pencils. And, uh, and I'm going to be talking about God in this service. I'm going to talk about what God's like. And uh, as we look at who God is, if you could draw some of what your vision of what God's like is. So if we talk about God being almighty, What would you draw? Uh, Or if we talk about God being compassionate and slow to anger, what does that look like to you? So as the sermon is going on, if you can can draw some drawings for us, uh, your parents can snap a picture of that and email it to Miss Kelly, and she'll post some of those online. So we're sure glad that you're part of uh, the service this morning and would love for you to be part of it uh, by interacting. Uh, This morning we are in Psalm 145, And we are going to see that all praise to God our King is what we are owing Him, is what He is due because of who He is. All praise to God our King. And this might seem an unlikely title for a sermon when we're going through the things that we're going through, when people are uh, dealing with anxiety and people are dealing with frustrations and maybe their fears about the job or, or about the future of your household or fears about the future of your health or the health of a loved one, uh, let me say that we want to begin this new type of service with praising God. And I heard a story, I read a story uh, today about two guys who were uh, locked away in a, in a room, and uh, they also had a lot of anxiety and stress that was around their lives also, and they broke out into praise And they broke out into prayer, and the people that were next door, in rooms next door to them, overheard their prayer and praise. And because they overheard that, and because God worked mightily in the context of that praise, uh, the world was changed. Their, Their world was changed, and people came to a believing knowledge of Jesus Christ just because of these two guys and how they responded to their difficulties. I know we've all been reading and hearing lots of stories of different people that have been reacting different ways, but this story isn't taken in the context of the 21st century. This story is taken from the 1st century in Acts 16, where Paul and Silas um, are beaten in Philippi because they believe in Jesus Christ. They are falsely accused, and they are thrown in prison. They're stripped of their clothes. They're beaten, and they're thrown in prison, and as they're thrown in prison... Uh, They, about midnight, maybe they woke up after being knocked out, maybe they, you know, who knows, but they're not comfortable uh, with their bodies being beaten and laying on the floor in this prison, and yet they begin to praise. And as they begin to praise and sing praises to God, God shook that prison and broke open the door, and before dawn... Uh, the jailer was turned to Christ, and his whole family came to a believing knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's strange that praise in the context of difficulty and trials uh, puts praise on such display. What, why would we praise when we're going through difficulties? Why would we praise when there are fears? As we look at Psalm 145, I want you to know that all of our praise is due to God our King. First in verses 1 of chapter 145 of Psalms, verses 1 through 10 is the first point, and that is, praise God our King for who He is. We can praise God for who He is as our King. Psalm 145 begins this way, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. The psalmist said, quoted as David here in the beginning, the, 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 the script that is over the top of the psalm, a song of praise of David. David declares, I will extol you, my God. I will lift your name high. I will praise you. He's going to praise God because he's king. He's going to praise God knowing that he's king. Now, David was a king as well, but he realizes that God is the king who reigns over the king and he wants to lift his name high. He also claims that God is his personal God, that he's his personal king, that this is personal, and he makes the declaration, I will do it. I'm going to resolve to lift your name high because you're my God and you're my king. How important is it to know in our difficulties that God reigns, that our God, who is good, who is He has all the qualities that we've known about him, and he's proved that to us through things in the past as his children. And now we go through something that's difficult, and we wonder, where is God, and where is his goodness? And right here, we can declare, we can resolve to declare that we will lift God's name name high, even if we're going through difficulties, even if we're locked away and are lonely and are scared and are dealing with anxiety. I will extol you, my God and King, Oh, how I hope that right there in your home, you can declare with confidence that he's your God and that you can lift his name high based on your relationship with him and that he's your king. He reigns. He's in charge. He has not left his throne room during this virus. He goes on to say, and bless your name forever and ever. Three times in this psalm, he's going to declare that we should bless the name of God. What does it mean to bless the name of God forever and ever? What does it mean to lift his name high or to bless him? Well, blessing God in the scriptures means that you trust him. Trust requires not being able to see how he's working things out. That's what faith is. Faith is not seeing. But yet you put your trust in him in these times because you believe in him and you know him. So you bless his name when you put your trust in him. You bless God when you testify about his righteous ways, about his good ways, and maybe it's on Facebook and maybe it's, it's through phone calls. Maybe you're talking to your neighbors or your friends or you're, you're texting or you're in a phone conversation with a family member or you're talking to your children and you bless God when you say, my God is good. My God will heal us. This life or the next, my God will not let us go and he will never depart from us and he will never leave his post as the one who reigns in our lives. We bless God when we testify. We bless God when we encourage each other to put our trust in God and to worship. We bless God when we just worship so that others can hear our worship. When we worship in spirit and truth so that others hear it, so that our kids maybe they know this is financial stress and maybe they know that there's loneliness and maybe there's uncertainty and they've overheard the news. And yet when we encourage people to trust God and to worship and to testify about what we know about God, we bless God when we show God's compassion to each other. When we gather together and we show compassion to each other because God has shown compassion to us, then we bless the name of God. I will extol you, my God and king. I will bless your name forever. We bless God's name. God is pleased with our praise when it is praise in truth. He says that we are to bless his name. Well, what does it mean to bless the name of God? Well, God has given himself many names. Core names are El Shaddai, the Almighty One, Adonai, the Lord, uh, Elyon, the Most High, Sovereign Lord. Um, he gives other names throughout scripture as the God who sees and the God who knows us, the God of compassion, the God of loving kindness. He is a God that we can trust in His name, the names that He gives Himself so that we can know who He is. We are to bless His name, bless the name of the one who is Almighty. We might be tempted to believe that God has lost control. God has not lost control. He is almighty. We may be tempted to believe that he is not our Lord, but the master of us is our fears, or the master of us is our anxieties, or the master of us is the history that's happening to us. And that is not true because our God is Lord. Our God is most high over all the kings of the earth and over all of the politicians. And we hear stories and and statements that are made and maybe they're causing us anxiety, but God has spoken and God will be the one who declares the end of this story. He is the one who stands with us. He is the most high and he is sovereign Lord. And by being the sovereign Lord, that means that there is nothing that comes into your life that God will not use for your good when you trust him and when you love him. For those of us who are followers of God, there is such good news in difficult times. The good news is that God will turn this for good when we trust him and when we love him, when we place our trust in him. Dear friends, I want you to know that as you're watching from home that you can trust God, that you can worship him today, that you can bless his name forever and ever. I love the fact that the psalmist doesn't end with forever as if that's not enough. It's forever and ever. And he goes on to say in verse 2, Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. In two verses, he's talking about the length of time that he's going to be praising. It's not based on the goodness of the psalmist. It's based on the goodness of God. That as he discovers new things about God and new stories are told, there will be no end to this praise and this blessing. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. This is an amazing testimony. Three, two times he says, I will do this. I resolve to choose to praise. And we as a church and as us as individuals can say the same thing. I will extol you. I will bless your name. I will praise your name. Even if I don't understand what's going on. Even if I'm in a prison cell beaten with my clothes torn away. And I went to serve God, and here Silas and I are in prison together, and and as those two guys begin to praise, Paul and Silas, they begin to pray and praise, God's power begins to work. God works mightily. I want you to know that these aren't just challenging times to be endured. Dear friends, these are opportunities from God to sing praise uniquely, to tell people the stories of what God has done, and to declare his excellencies. We praise God our King for who he is. He is a God that is powerful, that is in control, that is filled with compassion for us, and his name will be praised. Okay. I hope that you're resolving, that you're, it's personal, that you will choose to praise. Well, he goes on now with those two first two verses as an introduction to the whole psalm. In verse three, he begins to talk about why he can praise and he he captures who God is. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable, which means as, for as long as we live and beyond eternity, we will never see the depth of God's greatness. We will never see the depth of God's goodness. It's The fact that he says that it's, Unsearchable doesn't mean that we don't know some parts of it. It means we'll never know the whole story. We, as his children, will have to trust things that we don't understand. But the parts that we do understand are amazing, and we're going to hear about that. But right out, right off the bat, the psalmist wants us to know that God's greatness and goodness is beyond our comprehension. His storytelling is like a really good father in our lives, a really good mother in our lives who understands the long-term and we're like the two-year-old that doesn't understand why we can't have candy. God sees our lives and knows what's good for us. And he is at work in our lives and we can't understand what he's doing in our world and we can't understand what he's doing in our lives, but one day, one day it'll make sense. One day we'll be able to testify to what God has done to each other and for each other. And that's what he says in verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Now, kids, I hope you're starting to draw now because as we begin to look at who God is here, he is a God that we can speak about. And it reminds me of Deuteronomy 6, and parents, don't you realize that even though we're watching TV and maybe the news programs and talking with each other about it, oftentimes kids catch up on that anxiety and stress, and we don't even realize they're feeling it. This is a perfect time to testify one generation to the next that God has always been faithful in my life. God will never cease to be faithful, and he has always been there through difficulties. The church, Bridge Church as a whole, this is a time for us to testify. We can testify on Facebook. We can testify on our webpage. We can testify through videos, and we can testify that our generation is going through its unique story. But do you hear the testimonies and witnesses of the, tes- of the generations that have preceded us? How many Christians have dealt with plagues? How many Christians have dealt with wars? How many Christians have dealt with persecution? And they have survived, and they have been able to declare even to the grave that God is good, that God is faithful, that God will see us through. How do we know? How do we know that God's gonna see us through? Well, by faith, we know that God came as a man. By faith, we know that Jesus Christ, that man, the one and only mediator between God and man, came and gave his life and demonstrated what covenant love looks like on a cross. And because he demonstrated that for us, we may go through difficulties and question what God's doing that's good in this situation. For those of us who have placed our trust in Jesus Christ, we can never ultimately question his goodness. We can never ultimately question his provision. He has provided eternal goodness, eternal provision and righteousness for us. We shall declare one generation to the next. We shall commend his works to the next. My friends, children, adults, the elderly, I want you to know I am declaring today that our God is so good and he's in control and we do not need to fear this virus. Not the same way that others fear the virus. And I'm not suggesting that you don't take care. I'm just telling you that ultimately the protection from this virus or not is what, not what we're placing our hope in. We're placing in a hope in a God who is still on his throne, who has provided for us an eternal answer to sickness and war and plagues and persecutions. He's taking us home. God has provided, and we have the opportunity to declare that and talk about his mighty acts and speak of the splendor of his majesty and of his wondrous works, I will meditate. Look at that in verse 5. On on your wondrous works, I will meditate. And I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. Uh, If you're like me, you're interested in the latest news, and you're trying to keep up. And I was just this morning watching a news program, and we didn't capture every word, so we slowed it down and we rewound so we could hear what they said and try to understand what was happening. I want you to get that picture of meditation. I was meditating on that particular news program. I was capturing every word as if my safety depended on it. And as Jeannie and I sat there on the couch, I realized that this passage, what it's asking us to do is to do that with God's word. Meditate on the scriptures. Meditate on the greatness of God. Meditate on the goodness of God. Consider that more than the news programs. I'm not saying don't watch the news. Don't let the news be your primary spiritual food. Of course it will produce anxiety. May God himself be your primary Spiritual food. Meditate on his greatness, on his goodness, on his character, on his provision. Verse 7 They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud your righteousness. Dear friends, that's what we are supposed to be doing together as a church. That's what we're supposed to be doing as his children. We're supposed to pour forth the fame of God's abundant goodness. And there is no better time to do that than when there are troubles around us, when there are fears around us. We declare that, yes, I'm afraid, and yes, I'm anxious, and yes, I'm taking care, but ultimately my trust is not in what the government can provide for me or what my neighbors can provide for me or what the grocery stores can provide for me or what Facebook or the news can provide for me. Ultimately, my hope is in what God has provided for me through Jesus Christ and through his word. Dear friends, meditate on God and give him praise. Sing his praise. It's it's the power that our souls need. It's the power that our children need. And it's the power that our neighbors need. May we gather together and glorify God. May we grow together and glorify God. May we, we can't go out the doors necessarily, but we can go out into social media. We can go out with our devices and with text messages and with phones, and we can glorify God, and our first job is to glorify God, and we desperately need it for our own souls. In many ways, we're declaring to ourselves as we pour forth the fame of our, the, abundance goodness, the abundant goodness of our great God and King. In verse 8, it says, the Lord is gracious and merciful. Kids, pick up your pencils, pick up your crayons. The Lord, your God, is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Do you know him? Do you know the confidence of knowing that he's on his throne, the one who is slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love, that covenant love, that love that will never end for his children, for those who are in a covenant relationship with him? His grace and his mercy and his patience with us and his steadfast covenant love never cease for us. They're new every morning. They're not turned away by viruses. They're not held at bay by loneliness. God is for you. Praise your God who is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. I love verse 9 for this. It's not speaking just to his children. He's speaking to all of humanity. He has called the su- caused the sun to rise and the sun to set and the rain to fall and the, and the night to be lit by a moon and stars for all to see the beauty of God's creation. He has done that for every creature and every person. He loves without abandon all of his creation and he has been kind and good to all, and he has shown his mercy to all that he has made. In many ways, he's done that as an invitation to come and enter into a covenant relationship with him. God's goodness is to all, and as you're communicating with those who don't believe in Jesus Christ and don't know about his goodness, you can speak about God's goodness even during a coronavirus to everybody that you're on Facebook with. This is not the time for God's people To declare that we don't know what's going to happen and we're just afraid. No, we declare we don't know what's going to happen, but we've put our trust in a God that you can trust too. This is the declaration of God's people. This is how we praise. Yes, we may have anxiety, but we are not anxious like those who have no faith. Yes, we have fears, but we are not afraid like those who don't know Jesus. Yes, we have uncertainty, but ultimately we have a certainty that is eternal and as sure as the covenant love of our God. So draw for me what it looks like for God to be a powerful king. Draw for me, if you would, what it looks like for God to be filled with mercy and abounding in love. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Friends, as we finish the first of these two points, I want you to know that we can praise God our King for who He is. We can praise God because all His works should give thanks to Him because He's the Lord. And all your saints, those of you who trust you, shall trust God should bless His name with faith and with courage and with praise and with gratitude, with thanksgiving. So what do we, how do we give gratitude to God in this season? Do we say, hey, thank you, God, that in a few days we have to discover how to do church completely differently? No, we as a staff have anxiety and fears and frustrations as we're trying to figure out what the new world looks like for us. But at the same time, Thank you, God. Thank you, sovereign Lord, that we get to declare with all of the other generations what it is to follow a God who loves us in an imperfect world, in a flawed world, in a broken world, in a world that's racked with sin and disease. Dear friends, we are not the first generation of Christians to have struggles and fears. We are not the first generation of Christians to have to figure out how to give praise and thanksgiving. But one day I imagine that when we are gathered in heaven together that this story that we'll tell about the goodness of God in all of these difficulties, I remember that God was good during the coronavirus and all of our friends from all of the generations, the, the saints, those who follow Jesus will be able to speak of the goodness of God in their generations and this is what this generation has to deal with and dear friends. We have a God who is walking with us through this and he's good and it is the right time to give thanks to God. It is the right time to give praise and those praises speak to all of the generations, one generation to the next, that our God is good because of who he is. We praise our God and king for who he is. We praise our God and king for what he has done. Look at verses 11 through the end through 21. Verse 11, it says, They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. Who are they? Well, maybe you and me. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. This is speaking to what God has done for us. He has built a kingdom that's eternal. He has invited us into that kingdom where he reigns. And I love the fact that this was written uh, by David a thousand years before Jesus came. And by writing this praise a thousand years, he had no idea the kingdom that Jesus was going to bring. The extent of the spiritual wealth that was going to be lavished on God's people and the eternal nature of the church and of his people that's going to go on as joint heirs of Christ and no more tears and us joined together for a wedding feast as the bride of Christ. It's beyond our understanding. And this is just a moment in time. And yet David is declaring a thousand years before knowing about this wealth, let his people speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. Let him talk about it. Let him talk about how God is protecting his people and providing for his people and giving an eternal provision. Verse 12, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. God is at work setting a people apart for himself. Do you know him? Have you placed your trust in him? Sometimes we go through hard times. I remember at 9-11, all of a sudden on billboards and on on people's signs at restaurants, there were prayers being offered and there there was talk about God and about Jesus without shame. And no one had a problem with it. But in good times, people say, well, don't bother me with that Jesus talk. Don't you know that in hard times there is an invitation to all who don't believe? Have you, don't you know that God has provided something for the real virus, the virus of sin that is racking all of us, that has doomed us to death? It is our desire to make known to the children of man, that's not just children, that's all who have been born into this race called mankind, That God has mighty deeds of salvation for those who place their trust in him. And we can declare the glorious splendor of his kingdom and this is what the church should be about during the coronavirus. We We have to declare the excellencies of the Savior who has provided a future for us and a healing for us that will never be daunted or turned away. We have a healing that's eternal. And the virus that we preach against It's not just the coronavirus. The virus that we preach against is the virus of sin. In verse 13, he says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. David didn't know our generation. He just knew the ones that had preceded him. He didn't know how the story would end. But I can declare that generation after generation, people have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. They have lived their lives, they have walked with Jesus, they have suffered and they have died and they have gone to be with Jesus and they have placed their trust in him because of the promises that this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and he never leaves his throne. Our God, the King, we can trust him, we can praise him. And we can declare in our generation, uniquely, right now, we can stand up and declare that our God is good and we place our trust in him. Well, right now, if you're looking at your Bibles, you'll see in verse 13, there's a parentheses with a, um, with a, with a line that's put in here. And why is that put in here? Each one of these phrases begins with a letter from the Hebrew alph- alphabet, and there's a letter that's missing and that letter, someone along the way or the original psalmist put this phrase in there and it fits and it rounds out so that we have a letter from every one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And why would the poet use each of these letters? Well, one, it's a, it's a way for us to memorize and to be familiar and to meditate on these passages of praise, on the kingdom of God. But at the same time, it is also there declaring that from A to Z, from beginning to end, God's praise is appropriate. From beginning to end, God's goodness never ends. From beginning to end, God's grace never ceases. From beginning to end, God's covenant love with his people will never end. His kingdom is everlasting. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. That is true. Now, there are other psalms that do not have every letter in them when, they're, when they use that particular device. I think the psalmist probably left that letter out and later editor added it in so it felt finished. But to him, the author, I think it was finished. So as we go on in verse 14, the Lord upholds all who are falling And raises up all who are bowed down. Oh, kids, can you draw that? The Lord upholds all who are falling. There's this picture of us in humanity that are stumbling around in the dark and tripping and failing and walking away and wandering from God. And yet God upholds his children and he raises up all who are bowed down. For those of us, the coronavirus The thing I hate about it the most, it is uniquely targeted the elderly and the infirm. He has uniquely targeted those who are battling with autoimmune diseases and those who are battling with illnesses having to do with the lungs and those who are battling with old age. And it just seems so much worse because for our elderly, which are so precious to us, those who gather with us who are elderly, I want you to know how precious you are to us. It breaks our heart, and the reason we don't meet is in part because we so want you protected. We so want those who have been beat down already, but the way this is insidious is that there's loneliness among the elderly. So this disease to keep you safe has made us distance ourselves from you to some degree to keep you safe, and it makes me sad. But here we see in verse 14 that the Lord, Lord upholds all who are falling and he raises up all who are bowed down. If you are bowed down with age and if you are bowed down with loneliness, I want you to know that God is looking. Look at it says in verse 15. The eyes of all look to you, Lord, and you give them their food in due season. God is a provider. He feeds you. He'll He'll provide for you in your loneliness. He's there for you. Meditate on his word and connect with us, gather with us. If you can't gather with us online, if you can't figure out how to join us, I'll be calling as many of you as I can in the next week or so. And I'm inviting you into groups that can meet in different ways. But if those don't work for you because you're not technologically astute enough with modern days to meet with people online, we'll let you call in. But we want to gather with you even in this time of loneliness, and we want to connect with you. And that phone number that was on the bottom of the screen, maybe David will put it on again right now, right here. Call us. Tell us you're lonely, and let us reach out to you and pray with you. I'm going to spend more time with that phone than I normally do, and I'm going to be calling you from that phone more than I normally do. We want to connect with you and be with you, but ultimately it is God who upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. And as the eyes of those of us who look to God, um, God will give us their food in due time and in their season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. God has an open hand wanting to take care of us. God has an open hand for healing and health and love and care. It doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to be healed from the disease that is presently in front of us, what it means is that he has healing for us that's eternal. He has healing for us and real help for us that will last throughout eternity because we are aligned with Jesus Christ, our Savior, the only name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Dear friends, God has an open hand policy for those of us who come to him. You satisfy the desire of every living thing, speaking to God. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. We may not see how God is righteous. We may wish that God was less righteous. Don't you know that the righteousness of God leads to the wrath of God? That there are some that are going to fall under judgment one day, and if I didn't tell you about it, I wouldn't really be showing you love. But dear friends, there is a righteous God that we will have to answer to. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He will not abide our sin, but it doesn't end with righteousness only. He says in verse 18, um, sorry, he, uh, I lost my spot. Actually, I'm doing pretty good for not having ever preached in front of an empty room before, so be patient with me. Um, it says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. I'm sorry, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. He's not just righteous, but he's kind. And it's the kindness of Lord, uh, Romans 2, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. God is kind and righteous. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Jesus said while he was on the earth, many will say to me on that day, did we not raise the, heal the sick and raise the dead and do all kinds of of things that were impressive and he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. Not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but everyone who calls truly on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's not a formula for it, it's a heart condition that we are placing our trust in a living God for our future. And you can call on him in truth right now. And the Lord is near to all who call on him. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Our God, this kingdom that he's built, the kingdom that we can praise him for, the kingdom that he reigns in, that we who fear him will be welcomed in and he will hear our cry and he will save us. What does it mean to fear God? What does it mean to have that kind of respect for God? It doesn't mean I'm so afraid it keeps me from God. It means I have a fear that drives me to trust him. I have a fear that drives me to get right with him. I have a fear that drives me to say and declare that I have no other name I can trust but God's. And even in this moment when the coronavirus is coming through and we're looking for masks, and we're looking for soap, and we're looking for ways that we can protect ourselves, we understand as believers in Jesus Christ that there is no way we can truly be protected apart from God. And we are afraid like we would be afraid of the virus, except that God's provision is perfect. So we don't stay in fear. Fear launches into love and into faith. Fear drives us to believe in God. Fear drives us to be saved by God drives us to cry out to God. He also hears their cry. Dear friends, who does he save? Those who fear and cry out. Dear friends, I want you to know that this virus is an invitation for you to hear and to cry out and to fear so that God can save you. Verse 20, the Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Ultimately, the Lord will keep us safe. The Lord will keep safe those who end in that covenant-loving relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. But at the same time, he says, but all the wicked he will destroy. There is a wrath from God that is far worse than what we're dealing with today or what the world has ever dealt with. There is a wrath from God There is a division with God, and there is a promise from a righteous God that says he will destroy all that is wicked. People, wicked diseases, wicked uh, politics and governments. There is coming a day when he will purify this earth, and those who have been purified in the blood of Jesus Christ will stand with him and stand redeemed. And for those who haven't, Let this be the warning. Let this be the update that you meditate on. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Well, to that end in verse 21, David returns to his main point. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. It's personal to him. God is not only his king, God is not only Almighty and the compassionate one, God is his Lord. And his mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. How about you? Followers of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters who have joined us at the bridge, have you made this resolve in this season that your mouth will speak the praise of the Lord? Whether through social media, whether through emails, whether through phone calls or texts, or just talking to your neighbor as you, you're taking a walk, standing over six feet away from each other. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. God has blessed us forever and ever. God has given us hope forever and ever. God has give, given us a future forever and ever. Our salvation is forever and ever. May we resolve in this season and in the next, to bless his holy name forever and ever by trusting in him, by speaking of his glory and his goodness and his character and his kingdom, by resolving to give praise to his name, to sing praises in the quiet of the night. I, I don't know if Paul and Silas knew people could hear them I don't know if Paul and Silas thought anything dramatic was going to happen because they were praising in their pain. But I know because of a conversation between God and Job that God is uniquely delighted when God's people praise in the midst of their fears and their pain. Dear friends, with this first sermon from the Bridge Church coming on the heels of us not being able to meet together and having anxiety about that, I want you to know that we are called to praise our God. We are called to put our trust in God because of who he is and because of the kingdom that he has given us.